Welcome to episode 14 of the podcast in which you will find out more about how to monetize your expertise by using the science of persuasion. You'll also find out some tips on how to showcase your expertise and the best strategy to adopt towards publishing it. You're listening to Digital Bacon FM. I can't get enough soul searcher, of course. The perfect introduction to our marketing magician joining us on the line from Hong Kong. Good morning, Mr. Barnes. Good morning, Mr. Black. Soul searcher, okay. Yeah, can't get enough. I couldn't. But that's unique. Yeah, it is indeed. It's a happy house Friday, so what a perfect introduction. Yes, yeah, well, um, I'm back in Hong Kong and uh, uh, the cacophony goes on behind me, so uh, please forgive me if uh, you get uh, um, the racket going on. No, all good. Today's subject, an interesting one. Today's subject, yeah, I thought we'd talk about uh, anyone becoming an expert. You've heard this saying, Jason, haven't you, that anyone can become an expert in six months. Is that news to you? Or, it is, it uh, is or news to me. No, I've never heard that before. Took me bloody years. But now that I've got it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, otherwise known as the 10,000 hour rule, where essentially if you put 10,000 hours of concentrated study and effort uh, and endeavor in mastering a particular uh, subject matter, uh, then you can quite properly call yourself an expert because hmm. essentially you've heard the uh, in the yard eyes, so to speak, um, on routes becoming uh, an expert. So yeah, uh, ten thousand hours. So um, that obviously begs the question: Why would you want? Why would you want to become an expert? Well, as you'll see as we get towards sort of you know, the end of the things I have to say, if you've got your expert, if you've got an expertise such uh, like that, you can parlay that into something profitable uh, using uh, our intelligent content marketing ideas. But mm. just to sort of carry forward the idea about anybody can become an expert, well, uh, in my career, I've been an expert in four things, believe it or not. My career is coming on for 26, 27 years now. Um, I'm an expert in Hong Kong immigration um, because of another deal that I was invested in Prior to uh, the Hong Kong Visa Center, it's a software business called Orla. Uh, I became an expert in uh, workflow and organizational methodology for people who use email and other electronic communications um, to put together a business that I did for, that I ran for seven years that was predicated on being uh, very effectively organized in the modern workplace using Microsoft Outlook as a platform. Uh, I became an expert in uh, how people think and how people like to organize themselves and how best efficiencies can be brought forward. So anyway, that was my second area of expertise. And then in a life just prior to that, I became an expert in dysfunctional uterine bleeding, which uh, for the squirmish uh, men amongst your listeners is uh, otherwise known as um, excessively, excessive, excessively heavy menstrual periods. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 percent of all women between the ages of 39 and 54 suffer from this condition and it's completely debilitating um, you know, most men don't realize that it is such a problem but it's a massive problem anyway i was invested in a business that had a technology that uh so kind of solved that problem mm. and uh, uh for one reason or another i never made any money out of that in fact i lost my shirt on it but um 
the reality was they became an expert in the subject matter of dysfunctional uterine bleeding. So it means now that I can have conversations with my with my female colleagues about their periods without any problems whatsoever because, you know, I know exactly what it's all about and I can offer them advice. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Um, and then, of course, my fourth area of expertise is this stuff called, well, rapidly sort of growing expertise. Is this thing called intelligent content marketing as I begin to sort of, you know, document um, all the constituent elements of our business model and show to the world how, you know, we put it together and how it can be generally applicable, you know, to anyone who's got uh, particular expertise and uh, is prepared to adopt a publisher mindset. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I have uh, four areas of expertise. And um, when you uh, have an area of expertise, uh, if it's not unique, you can still become the de facto expert on your niche uh, via the web. Um, Because if you get there first, showcasing your knowledge and expertise ahead of other people who you know have got, you know, the expertise, but haven't made a commitment to sort of document it in a uh, intelligent content marketing fashion way. Uh, if you get there first and produce a content proposition that's 10 times better than uh, anything that your competitors uh, can come up with, then, you know, you will gar- you're guaranteed to be uh, at the top of number one on, uh, on Google. Hmm. So, uh, is, is there, you, is, sorry to interrupt you. Is there, is there a danger of, actually being or, or the perception of being an expert and actually being an expert because people only understand you especially from overseas if you um have a presence on the internet there's no real documented proof of it just what people say on the internet well indeed and part and parcel of showcasing your expertise via an intelligent content marketing proposition is is to adopt uh, elements of the science of persuasion caldini's work where you uh, bring social proof into play. Mm. Uh, so you gather testimonials uh, of any guys that you can from everyone that you're interacting with, and uh, you, you know you post those widely throughout your web presence. So it becomes easy for people to take the intellectual shortcut that they need to take to make a, a decision when all the variables are unknown and it could represent a risk to them. Okay. Someone else has used them. Social proof kicks in, and that solves the problem. So, so yeah, that's how you deal with that. Now, I was I was um, having a, a con- yeah. uh, just on the same tro- topic. I was having a, a, conven- a conversation with a friend of both of ours, actually Gulu, who runs a, a very good small country hotel, um, and we were discussing the merits of posting reviews that other people have made about your hotel uh, on uh, your social media platforms and how to do it in a way that doesn't make you look like you are bigging yourself up at what other people have written. So is there a way, if if you're talking about social proof and um, who you are to other people, is there a classy way of doing it, especially when it comes to reviews? Absolutely. What you do is you make a story, a complete story about your social media presence, what people are saying, good and bad. Replying to it, admitting to things when the you know when the when the observations are accurate, mm. when the, when the observations are, or the comments or the complaints are overstated, you know, deal, explain why you know it, why why they're overstated. So you basically just take sort of into one part of your website the whole social media presence and have it on a sort of a billboard type basis, and, and just uh, you know develop commentary around the fact of having a social media presence and mm. use that as a as a means to you know get your messages across to come across as being authentic. So you put good uh, and bad and, uh, and transparent. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Mm. You know, so so you you would take you would take the line that um, on our website, you know, we believe in community, and these are uh, this this is a consolidation of all the reviews that we've received from the various social media platforms. Uh, and uh, these are our responses to them. Mm. And, you know, we've learned from this and we're grateful for that. And, you know, we never thought about that. Never thought about this particular issue from the perspective of the customer before. So it brought it to light for us. So we've been able to adjust the way that we operate. Mm. You know, so you have, you have an open sort of forum, so to speak, as to, you know, what the uh, importance of having social media presence means for the business. So mm. you're being transparent on the business. I'm telling the, the story of the business as it evolves uh, you know, from the lessons learned as a result of your social media activities. Mm. It's this kind of stuff that we do. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're talking about experts, I believe, an expert, expert niche. So mm. um, he, here's a way, if you're thinking about, you know, adopting uh, an intelligent content marketing strategy based on an expertise that you've kind of perhaps have the, a germ of right now, but if you put 10,000 hours into it, you can absolutely master it. Okay, so how do you then convert, you know, your uh, your decision of, uh, of, of, of well, how do you convert your actual expertise into a, into a manifested web presence expertise? So, firstly, what you do is you um, well, I, what I do is is I identify the world's top three experts and read each of their most famous books, or in fact, read all of them, um, so that you you, know, you completely understand what the expert competition is really all about. Um, and then you take all of those lessons that together with your own expertise and apply uh, them to the way that you operate and uh, summarize them, uh, make uh, um, make posts uh, on your website, a summary of the, uh, of the materials and uh, the sharing of that, uh, that know-how. Um, and then obviously teach it, teach it through your, your website, share the information, empower, uh, produce kits, uh, other kinds of resources that will help answer help people answer questions and help solve problems. So, sort of you know morph as we did a, a, a content proposition out of your core expertise, thinking about each nook and cranny that you can travel down that uh, other parties would not have travelled, uh, and therefore you would be the sole provider of the uh, of the information in those areas, mm. and that in turn consolidates your expertise. Well, now if if we have to have a look at how both you and I operated uh, in Hong Kong. And, uh, and I know I got my introduction to RTHK through you. You know, we, we talk about doing this on the web presence, but if you have a business and you want to be perceived as an expert in a variety of, of different fields, uh, working with publications and doing articles on your area of expertise, going on the radio and talking about it, building a personality of yourself is also a good thing for your business, especially in the public domain, because you, I, I believe in RTHK, you're the only person who talks about visas. And with a huge listenership, um, you are then the de facto visa expert in Hong Kong. Correct, exactly. And so that experience that uh, I've had down the years in Hong Kong can be with uh, you know the right um, machinations on the part of an individual entrepreneur that's going to adopt this tag. Uh, can can be readily um, you know uh, uh, accomplished too in their own right. You just have to be ready to put yourself out there and begin to leverage leverage you know the fact that you're building a tribe and uh, and allowing your uh, your expertise to sort of be um, passed through by osmosis. You know mm. with everyone that comes in contact with it. 
And and then that that expertise again, you you're leveraging it uh, to develop business and relationships further down the track. Uh, that's right, exactly, exactly. And you know, the more people you meet, the more people you meet, the more ideas you've got to you know, perhaps sharing your uh, your knowledge more uh, more widely. And is there so. in, is there any danger when you set yourself up to be the expert? Obviously, you do need to have an in depth knowledge of what you're doing. Do you have others in the market who seek to challenge you publicly about your level of ep- expertise? You know, if you have a look at this this idea on social media where everybody tries to pull everybody down, uh, how do you avoid those dangers? Uh, well, to be honest, it never really happens. Uh, firstly, the vast majority of people are, are not really interested in um, the material that, uh, that that I'm an expert in, unless they've got a particular problem in it, right? Mm. Although it's just one of those things. It's like if you have a if you have a driving license, you don't think about your driving license and and, and the processes that go towards um, you know maintaining it uh, during the time that you don't have to think about it. It's only when it comes up for renewal that you address your mind to it. Mm. So it's the same with immigration. You're out of people's minds completely until you know you necessarily need to turn your attention to it. Well, well, if you have yeah. a look, if you have a look at how social media works and the negative sides of it, you will have people who are supposed experts because they have a large social media following, but they're really no bugger all. All they do is get put their photo on Instagram or whatever they do. Um, so, is there is there a danger of opening up your your platforms to commentary which could adversely affect you? Well, yeah, but that's 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 quite parcel of you know um, the rough and tumble that goes with you know showcasing your expertise and, and putting yourself out there to create relationships with people. There's always going to be somebody, I suppose, that will have something negative or something contrary to say about what you're all about. But that's just that's just part and parcel of it. Uh, yeah, the I think the bigger the bigger point to the question was though, really, is kind of like the trolls, right? Mm. Um, how do you fight against? Uh, actors that are deliberately seeking to, you know, pull you down a notch or two. Uh, well, you, again, you just have to uh, know that your expertise, uh, as manifested, should be able to speak for itself. And uh, uh, I just take the view that if somebody has a pop at me, they're either uninformed or uh, they're just going to come off as appearing to be, you know, uh, someone with an agenda rather than, than something positive. Mm. Because when you look at the extent of our, our content proposition, you know, we clearly know what we're talking about. Mm. Um, and, you know, we're not infallible. And the thing about uh, what we do is that, we, you know, we put, we, 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 we deliver real depth and understanding to the Hong Kong immigration process by having shared our expertise widely. But there's... Our, our customers don't have any means of, of getting information any other way that would, would, would contrary to what we're telling them. Mm. So in the main, if we learn something from a comment that a uh, you know a party is made on a website, you know we'll cough to it, and we'll, we'll we'll pick it up and uh, and we'll adopt it. Because immigration is like that. The, immig- the immigration department don't put out a, a government gazette each month that telling them, telling the world, you know, the basis for the immigration decisions that they're making. Uh, it's all what we do is all done by experience, and, you know, and, and casework, and, and, uh, and knowing what works and what doesn't work. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's by definition dynamic. Things change all the time, and because there's no formal notification of the immigration department things are changing and sometimes uh, things change and you get caught right in the middle of it and 
Yeah. Nobody at the immigration department is just picking up the telephone to, to call me on a Monday morning, telling me in advance of what uh, policies are going to change that week. I, I don't have that relationship with the immigration department. Mm. I don't think anybody else has it. Now, now uh, we spoke, I think it was last week, about the differences between your proposition and intelligent content marketing and then everybody else who's out there who are the content marketeers who've developed a name for themselves. Now, somebody who was less informed about it would then be in two minds as to who's the expert in it. How, how do you, if you say this is something that you are developing expertise in, um, do you have to then show the differences in it? What, what makes it unique? No, you, uh, well, you have, essentially you have to produce content that's, that's clearly uh, produced by an expert uh, and the content is designed specifically to answer a question or help solve a, a problem. Um, and on that basis, given that, and you've got to do it for free, of course, mm. um, you've got to look, I think, as a user of a, of a resource on the web, you've got to always ask the questions if you're a user, what's the agenda be of the party behind um, you know this the solution to this problem that's being given to me in such a remarkable fashion. You know what 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 what's in it for them, so to speak. Mm. Um, so if you if you think it through in that perspective, then your you know your um, your, your, your your content will shine through as part and parcel of your story, and by you know having a story that it, that resonates with them that's actually true, even though it can immediately be verified, but there's enough other evidence out there on the web that suggests that you are the real deal just because you know um, that's the way the web works over time you do develop footprints in that fashion mm. it'll be hard at first but you know eventually you'll get there um but all of that taken together is it gives the um the aura of sort of transparency and authenticity that's needed for for uh, someone to begin to trust that stuff mm. and that's the game that's what's at the heart of intelligent content marketing it goes back to you know the the time in history before the industrial revolution when we lived in a pure agrarian society. Uh, we had very few relationships around us, and those relationships, you know, were very important to us because um, you know you, you had to know your neighbours very well because you never knew you know when you might need their help. So uh, then the industrial uh, revolution came along, and all that changed, and it all became about putting machine into play to produce things. Um, and the quality of relationships in commerce uh, fell to fell, 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 fell to the fell to the uh, fell to the rear. Uh, but now we've uh, got the connection economy, which is like the the, the global village with 7.2 billion people available through smartphones or you know whatever it's going to be eventually. Um, you've got such an expanded reach. You can parlay, you know, your ex, your uh, your personality uh, in, in far and wide, and, uh, and, and create uh, an impact in, that uh, has never really been able to be seen before. Mm. Now, would you say that um, being an expert or perceived as an expert in a particular field is is required uh, to get to the eventual? Um, state of of having a monopoly well clearly you've got to not, not only not only do you have to have a fountain spring of knowledge and know-how that represents your core prop proposition uh but you've you've got to 
produce uh, an intelligent content marketed type business, leveraging the power of connections. Uh, uh, and then if your niche is defined sufficiently um, small enough or well-defined enough such that uh, you can actively go on to corner the market in, in within the confines of that niche, then yeah, a monopoly is, is a natural consequence of it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, no, two recent ones. Because no one... Yeah, because no one's going to compete against you, uh, and if you've if you've if you've, you've, you've sort of stolen the march on that, uh, and it's like the Wikipedia, you know, no no one is going to independently do a Wikipedia to produce a web presence going to compete with Wikipedia now, right? Mm. That's done, yeah. uh, and it's a, it's the same the same dynamics in playing your very very small niche that represents your expertise mm. for you to go on to um, you know to, to court corner corner and monopolize that particular niche definitely. Now, now, if you if you were starting a business and you said, right, my end goal in three years is to have ten thousand pieces of content on the internet, would you do it? At, at, and you want to avoid the risk of somebody else coming along and stealing a march on you? Would you load that content up or load a, a big chunk of that content up without anybody being able to see it, and then going to market with two or 3,000 pieces of content at the same time, or would you do it in dribs and drabs if you could go back? Well, okay, so so the, 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 there's another question underlying that, and that is, have you got have you got money invest to invest into this business, or, or have you no money to invest into this business? If you've got money to invest into this business, then it's a land grab. You should you should throw you should develop your content your core content proposition, get that down, and then start to build a tribe. But anticipate that you know there's a whole other other raft of, of content that uh, you're going to be developing over the course of those two to three years. But but yeah, if you've got money, then you I would without a doubt uh, get the the content platform laid down as fast as I can. No mm. doubt about that. On the other hand, most people don't have money. They don't know anything about publishing. They, uh, they've got a desire to achieve an intelligent content marketing type business, and they're ready to you know, roll their sleeves up and, and get practical and learn the constituent elements of this modern business model uh, and crack on with it. And uh, if that's the case, then you can produce your own content one piece at a time, uh, learning three or four different tricks uh, and investing in small sums of money in the requisite software and hardware, you know, to bring about the ability to produce that content proposition. Um, but you can do that. You can produce that content yourself, you know, very cheaply, very effectively. Uh, and then you'd be able to produce it at a pace that accords with the amount of time that you've got to produce it predicated on the work, other work that you've got to do. Mm. For, for me, I just focused on producing the first 100 pieces of content really, really quickly. Uh, and that was my main goal. And, um, when I got started, I drew down, I pulled in from other other places that I'd produced articles for down the years and, and sort of repurposed and repackaged them. And that got, that got me about 15 to 20 sort of, you know, all consolidated. So the Hong Kong Giza Giza blog would look like it had, you know, some content in there. Uh, and then I, um, I looked for the top 100 questions that anybody ever asks. So I then produced answers to those top 100 questions, and that gave me the next 100 piece, 100, 100 pieces of content. And in the meantime, I'd started to uh, uh, invite people to ask me questions that gave me a new source of content too. Mm. So uh, yeah, um, to answer your question, if you've got dough, 
then uh, produce as fast as you can and mm. uh, recognize it's a land grab. If you don't have money and you have to learn as you go, well, you know, do it the way that I did it one piece at a time, but just do it consistently in that fashion. Now, you've laid your story bare for everybody to read on your platforms over the years. If you could go back and do it again, would you do it the same way? Yeah, because because the reality is I'd have to do it the same way. The, the, the beauty about, in a sense, what we're doing by sharing what we've experienced is that we're taking off the learning curve for others to uh, emulate what we're doing. Mm. Because, um, you know, we didn't have a, we're not geniuses, you know, Martin and I didn't didn't have this sort of big blueprint all laid out in advance. Despite the benefit despite, of a form, the <laughs> formal education, education at the LAC, yes. Indeed. <laughs> indeed, indeed, yeah, yeah. So, so no, you know, we, um, we, 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 we took into the project the, the, the core experience from 1996 to 2000 with our first version of the Hong Kong Visa Handbook. That is, uh, if we, we knew if we put free, free content that showcased our expertise on the web, we'd be successful. We knew that. That was, that, that, that was the starting point. Um, but then the sort of eight, nine, ten other elements that we've built into our business model in the wake of that experience – or that knowledge, I should say, and the experience that we've had over the last seven years, um, all of that has really, uh, you know, become germane to our, 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 our core intelligent content marketing business. Um, now, I've been uh, doing some things as well on my iPad, buying books, um, and it, it gave me occasion to um, have a look at the library that I have. And... Uh, Many of the books that you actually suggested that I get, I had a, a, another good look through them. So I've started back again on what technology wants. That was a good book, actually, a yeah. good recommendation. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and the other one, uh, yeah. emotional marketing, also very good. Right, indeed, yeah. So, you know, once you're able to lift up the lid on uh, the constituent elements of an intelligent content marketing strategy, you realize it's all common sense. Uh, and, uh, you know, what we have done is we've ultimately curated uh, a dozen different business ideas that uh, have all been valid, but very, um, very rarely validated uh, by, you know, businesses adopting the business, those ideas and publishing their experiences for people to learn from, you know, those things to prove that they work. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, these underlying ideas are all very logical and they're all actually ultimately very simple hmm. uh, i think in the final analysis we've we, we've kind of curated these ideas and applied them uh, and because we've had the experience of um, uh, applying them sort of learning one lesson at a time it's then gone on to cumulatively become uh, you know what what uh, what we've got today which is kind of you know the answer to the question that you're asking earlier that i was waffling about hmm. is that you know you um you can look at our material now and take these very simple ideas and recognize that if you knit them all together around an expertise that you've got, uh, you're guaranteed to be successful. And there's a very, very, very good possibility that if you do it right, you'll end up with a monopoly. Absolutely. So we'll catch up again next Friday. Are you going to be in Hong Kong or traveling? Uh, Friday, I'm here. Hong Kong, sir. Fantastic. We'll chat then. You have an absolutely awesome weekend. And thanks again, Stephen. Digital Bacon FM. Now that you know more about how to leverage your expertise to develop your business, as well as the relationships with your customers, join us in the next podcast for more details on the power of storytelling. Mm-hmm.